Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. It's, uh, oh boy, are there not any sports? That's not true. That's technically not true. There's Korean baseball. Um, and there's, there's Korean baseball and the 97-98 finals. Um, yeah. Those are the only sports that exist right now. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you are not wrong. Um, I mean, the... I mean, the Jordan documentary thing has kind of that's like the one scheduled thing that I watch every week now. Like I I know every Sunday at eight o'clock I'm going to be watching that documentary. Um, And that's that's all there is. Like it's it's pretty crazy. And like, have you guys seen how that gets covered like the night that it airs? Like you go on SportsCenter and then all they do is talk about that. Um, oh yeah, have, I mean it's people, the biggest television right. production in the world. Like right they now. have like a reaction to it yeah. or something. Yeah, Interesting. they get like Stephen A. Smith. They get like players from the '90s that were there, hmm. you know, to react. Like, oh, what'd you see? And it's like, talk yeah. about how amazing Michael Jordan was and stuff. So it's like the you know like whenever they have TV shows like Talking Bad or whatever, right? Know, the little yeah. thirty-minute special after the episode to talk about stuff. Yeah, it's funny. It, I didn't know that. It's very much like that, and it's, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I mean, but, you know, I think that we're still, I mean, from, like, an NBA return, we're probably at least two, three months away from that. Did you hear the, um, did you hear what the Players Association did today? I did. I did, and then they disputed it, but, (laughs) yeah, they said that, well, it was reported that they sent texts to every player asking if they wanted to play and they just wanted yes or no. And um, then there were players, they said, we didn't do any of like do an official polling. I'm like, yeah, but that's, you could easily say that texting everyone individually is not an official polling of, yeah of that. So it probably happened. Yeah. Jared Dudley said, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think, it makes a lot of sense. Like I think, I mean, obviously, if you don't want to play, then you shouldn't be forced to play. Right. I don't think any player on a playoff team is gonna say no. I don't want to play. I just don't think that will happen. Yeah. Um, but if you know, if a guy for the Hawks, if they want to play a few <laughs> regular season games, if you know, if Cameron Reddish doesn't feel like playing, then okay, that's fine. Yeah. If Vince Carter's forty-three year old, like. You know, he's moving towards the uh, affected demographic, the highly affected demographic. <laughs> right. Well, now, Vince, hey, yeah, if Vince you, doesn't want to I mean, play, you wonder with Vince, it's like, you know, does he want to play just so that people can say goodbye? Yeah. <laughs> because he's going to, like, basically the longest career in the history of the NBA is just going to end without anybody noticing. Right. Well, there was a little bit of a thing on the night, because the the Hawks played the night that the uh, the NBA canceled itself, right? And you know, at the time, oh right, were, didn't they put him in at the yeah, very he, end? He played, and they were like, "Is this the last time we're ever going to see Vince?" And there was some kind of, you know, there was a little bit of a a goodbye thing with him, and obviously, you know, a couple hours later, it was like, "Oh, the the NBA is gone now." So yeah. Just uh, that seems approximately like it happened, you know, ten years ago. Just right. I barely God, remember it. Feels so long ago. Yeah. Um. Did we ever on this podcast talk about the horse contest? 
No, the horse contest that I did not watch at all because I heard it was right. terrible. Well, the big thing was that Mike Conley won because he was the only person playing indoors. Yeah. I don't, for the life of me, I do not understand how Trey Young didn't get somebody to go let him into Lloyd Noble. Like, right, right, yeah, or more like Norman High, High right, School, right, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I do know that Zach Levine just flat out cheated. Like, <laughs> you can't fucking do a between the legs layup. Like, that's bullshit. That's not horse. Right. That's the only reason he like because you couldn't dunk, and yeah, that's that's bullshit. Between the legs layup. Yeah. yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so that was bad and weird, and they didn't do it very well. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that's where sports are at. Do we want to talk about the Jordan documentary some more? Um, yeah. So this last week we saw the Dream Team episodes. Sure. Yeah. How um, do we? How do we feel about poor old Isaiah Thomas? I mean, I think that in all in all likelihood, I think Jordan probably was the main reason why he got left off the team, and mm-hmm. I think that's totally fine. Like I, you know, I heard someone make the point that. Like, the only way the U.S. wasn't going to win the gold and dominate everybody is if they just hated everyone on the team and they just didn't get along. And Isaiah Thomas was the most controversial player in the league with around all of those guys. So, yeah, they probably still would have won by 50 every game. But, you know, I think there it would have increased the volatility and increased the chances of – just conflict and something weird happening as a result. Like, you know, yes, he's a good enough player to have made the team, but it's not like he was prime Isaiah Thomas at that time. You know, it was, he was still, he was old Isaiah Thomas by that point. So I do have to ask whose spot would he have taken? Would have been Stockton? No, it probably would have been Leitner, right? Well, I thought they had to have, uh, a call or like an amateur on the roster or yeah for some bs reason so uh, that was that was the only reason leitner was on there because he well was like they it wasn't necessarily that they had to have one it's just that they wanted to at that okay. point because it was the first time they'd ever used nba mm-hmm. players so they kind of wanted to have that as kind of like a hey like a token kind still, of thing yeah kind of a token thing and you know i i I mean, you're not putting him in over Stockton, who was, you know, pretty much in his prime at that point. He was 30. Um, maybe you're are, looking are you at. Gonna, I mean, I guess you could instead of just taking him out for a pure point guard, you might have taken him out for. I mean, because the yeah. two point guards on there were Stockton and Magic, right? So right. who else? Right. Maybe yeah, you take I mean, out a small Magic. forward or something. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you take out Chris Mullen or something. Like I. Right. It's, and you like you look at like like Bird was probably too old to really deserve a spot right. for these Larry fucking Bird. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bird and Magic team. was retired. You know, yeah. Right? Like, I'm looking Magic. at ages right now. Larry was the oldest in there by three years, and Magic, yeah. and the second oldest is Magic, and he was uh, like you said retired. So the next person, yeah. oldest person from that was 30. Clyde was 30, and yeah. so was John Stockton. Um, and they were both five years younger than Larry. Larry was 35. 
Yeah, and by that time, I mean, Isaiah Thomas was more accomplished than John Stockton at that point, so maybe that is the the guy that you take out. But Right, and Stockton like John, also, it's easy for people to look back and say, well, Zeke should have been in because like Stockton was hurt for part of the Olympics, but that like that's not part of the selection process. Right. You don't yeah. know that he's going to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, I just think the reality is, like, Isaiah, nobody liked him. You know, I think a lot of players respected him and all that, but, like, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan hated him. Michael Jordan still hates him. Like, there's <laughs> that's <pretty> obvious. <laughs> fairly obvious at this point yeah. that he still hates him. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with leaving a guy that could cause – any kind of issues off the team. Like, I think that's a very defensible decision. Um, it would have been more interesting to me if Jordan had just been like, yeah, I didn't want him on the team. You know, uh, that's the thing. He, it's like, I'm the reason he wasn't there. You know, it's kind of the, so I, I like it whenever the players just kind of own it. And that's yeah. kind of, I, I like with Isaiah bouncing about like, you know, instead of just Instead of walking off, he's like trying to say, "Well, that's just what we did back then." It's like, no, man, like, just own right. it. Like, you guys yeah, were right. that's, that was your whole persona. That was the bad boys. Just own it. Right. Um, yeah. You would yeah. get a lot less grief if you just said, "Yeah, screw them. We hated them, and you know, we walked off the court and we should have given them the middle finger while we were doing it." Like, that would be a lot more acceptable. I feel like, yeah. um, but that he's trying to like change history. And say, oh, but not really, you know, 20 years, 30 years later, um, that's kind of where you get kind of stuck. So I kind of wish Michael Jordan would have been like, you know, because there's a lot of subtext there. I think it's fairly obvious that maybe he didn't explicitly say it, but through back channels, he probably made his opinion known about Isaiah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Jordan, I wish Jordan was the biggest would've... star in the world. You yeah. Know? Like, he... even if he had been the only guy, you're not going to put Isaiah on the team. If Even if Jordan is like, eh, you can do whatever. I'm not a huge fan of that guy, but I'll play with him. You know, like even even if that, you've got to you've got to make him happy at all costs. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, that yeah. that's that's what they did. Yeah, you know? I've seen two takes about this that I sort of broadly agree with. Um, the first it was from Bomani Jones, and he was talking about how like one aspect of this and on reflection is that uh, you really like seeing the hurt feelings surrounding all of this makes you really question the idea that like, this is the era of the NBA that was, that is soft. And like the nineties were tough guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But at the same time and not really in contradiction to that is like, yeah, if you're the bad boy Pistons, people don't like you. That was the point these are the consequences yeah. of making people dislike you. Yeah, you yeah. can't be actively the villain and then try and not be the villain later or be mad that people see you as the villain later. It's, right, right. You don't get a redemption arc just because you want you want it. Um, right. If, if you cast yourself in that role, you have to kind of embrace it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I want to talk about the kind of the most recent episodes – um, you know, before all of this started, you know, Jordan talked about how, I don't know if he was worried, but he did think that he might be looked at as kind of an asshole after this. And yeah. he was, Which is 
funny kind of warning we people. all already knew that we already knew well, it yeah well but the funny thing is that like the audience he was speaking to with that is not the people who would know it it's all of the people who did not follow basketball particularly closely and that's do not true. follow basketball I particularly guess. closely I mean, and my are dad watching doesn't watch it's the basketball only thing that's on. yeah, like i think my... he said that on the today show right uh, i guess yeah i mean i well, bet yeah go ahead well i just yeah i think that that makes that makes a lot of sense like there are a lot of people that, you know, unquestionably Jordan is perfect, you know, in a, in right. a lot of ways. And right. Well, there are a lot of people for who, whose like primary touchstone with Michael Jordan is Space Jam. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was probably really surprising for them to see him like get into like really heated gambling matches over like coin tossing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, by Which, the way, the Space Jam director looks exactly like you would think the Space Jam director would look like. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but with with Jordan kind of in the last few episodes, I mean, obviously, you know, it shouldn't be news to anybody. The guy was a psychopath that just was a ridiculous competitor in every mm-hmm. way. He was he is un, he is still he is not able to turn it off today. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's like, to me what like people talk about Kobe and everything. And to me, Kobe was just kind of a poser, you know, like Kobe wanted to win. But I think a lot of Kobe's drive was built on. I want to be like this guy, because right. when Kobe left the basketball court, he wasn't that way. And when Kobe retired, he was a completely different guy. Michael Jordan is still Michael Jordan yeah. today. Right. He's still the, that yeah. dickhead that was the best player in the league when he played. He's still that human being today. Just completely obsessed with winning. Can't yeah. right. he can't accept any other alternative kind of Yeah, the thing with Jordan that I I knew he was an ass like from a you know, just ridiculously competitive standpoint, but like all the mind game stuff is kind of the interesting part to me that he like, you know, he would, you know, insult his teammates to try and you know mm-hmm. provoke them into fighting him so he could test them and just stuff like that was you know pretty interesting yeah. yeah it's um no i think that's a really good point about kobe in that like the whole mamba mentality thing is an affectation brought out of a desire to emulate every aspect of jordan including yeah. being a psychopath um yeah. <laughs> And God, he's just. <laughs> what does he do, do during his days? Do you think? Michael plays golf. Plays he golf. plays golf. Well, yeah. When he's walking from green to green, is he just like, is he doing the bit where he watches somebody talk about him on the iPad in his head just constantly? Oh, yeah, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, talking about in-practice stuff, I wasn't that shocked. Like, I didn't think, I don't think less of Michael Jordan because he was addicted to teammates. Like, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't shocked. I just found it interesting. Yeah, but, like, nothing, just, nothing with him shocks me, I guess. I but. saw, there was a lot of backlash to that. And, like, I saw articles written, well, you know, Tim Duncan proves that you don't have to be an asshole to win championships. And I'm like, yes, 
But I Michael yeah, Jordan, I don't think... Michael Jordan had to be an asshole to win yeah. championships. It's the yeah. only way he knows how to exist. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's a. I think you're hitting on something there. There's this kind of this uh, this line of thought that has spun post Jordan that say you have to have the absolute killer mentality to be con- extremely successful, and that's yeah, well, not tr- yeah, that's, that's not true. But right, and what how that exists succeeds. because yeah. of essentially Nike marketing. Yeah. yeah, and but it's been perpetuated, and so guys like Kobe say, if I want to be Jordan, I have to do that, right. um, and it's not true, and we've seen it, you know. In other ways, I think you have to be extremely driven, but driven takes different forms. And that was just the way the form that it manifested itself in in Jordan and that for him, it worked. Um, It drove people away, but it also probably elevated them and everything else. Um, But I I don't think that that it's a, you know, one size fits all sort of mentality that, well, if you just have to be an extreme ass and make fun of your teammates to get them to fight you if you want to win championships. Um, Well, and that's like. That's what's really almost profound about LeBron is just how far he is from that. Yeah. I I mean, I do kind of wonder. I, I tend to agree. I think that that is the perception, of course, of LeBron. And I think that overall teammates enjoy LeBron a lot more. But I do think that there is a lot of stuff that we have no idea because oh, LeBron, for sure, for sure. LeBron's well, but similar, because the other thing but, about LeBron no, no, is me, that let me like, finish. Let me finish. Okay, go Sorry. ahead. LeBron, very similar, like even to Jordan, like in his early years, LeBron has always worked to shape his own image, and right. that is like he has his own media company now. So like anything that we ever see from LeBron, similarly to this Jordan documentary, is going to be cleared by LeBron. You know, so um, I do wonder if, you know, after, you know, 20 years after he retires, we get a little bit of insight that, well, mm-hmm. yeah, he he was a more likable person, but he was still I think it's more likely that LeBron is kind of probably annoyingly passive aggressive to teammates. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Like you look at the Kevin Love situation. He yeah. didn't he didn't give Kevin Love depression. This is mm-hmm. a thing people say. It's not true. Um, right. But, you know. The whole like fit out instead of fit in thing like there and there is like the like LeBron isn't going to like intentionally instigate fights to learn more about you as a teammate, but he will get you traded. Yeah. Um, So. So, Alex, you said something that I think is important. Um, you, You mentioned LeBron, you know, 20 years later, things might get released, but he's controlling his own image right now through his media company. Well, apparently Jordan had uh, edit veto rights or something right. of those of that level on this documentary, but a lot of this stuff has made it through. I kind of okay. think he likes the perception of well, of having this kind of, you know, I'm just this the kind of killer personality that, you know, he drove people away, but he was entirely committed and you know, if you didn't like it, you know, you didn't have to play, basically. Um, I, no, think he, yeah. I think he wants this image pushed and that he kind of likes that uh, uh, aggressive uh, perception um, in I, correlation see, with him as yeah. a player. 
I agree because that's his brand, but I still think that there are like because the other aspect of this is like this is a film in which Jordan isn't or a film. This is a documentary series in which Jordan is an asshole, but he's also the hero. Right, and right. this yeah, is yeah. the story of how Michael Jordan was so good it didn't even matter that all his teammates hated him well, that, and they were di- the tired of playing basketball. Yeah, that's but that's that's you're, that's exactly right. This is the thing where um, he's showing you that I, this is how I got so successful, and this is why me acting this way was appropriate given the circumstances. If I wanted to be great, this is how I had to do it. Mm-hmm. But this is—he's letting you into the window. He's not, you know, completely sanitizing everything because he still wants this kind of hard edge still associated with him but it was for this justified reason because he's you know holding he's popping champagne bottles so i i think there's a few interesting places where i think the like the edge of jordan like rubs up against jordan's status as the hero in this documentary in ways that maybe jordan didn't recognize during the editing process i think Mm -hmm. a really big one is the pippin migraine game where Mm -hmm. um I don't think Jordan realizes how obvious it is to the audience in that moment that he is the asshole for not believing that Scottie Pippen can't see straight because he has a migraine. You well, I, I mean, I don't, because he obviously his his initial reaction makes it seem like he doesn't understand. His words says that I understand, um, but I think that the way he reacted to that was it was fairly obvious that he didn't, I don't know if he necessarily didn't believe Pippen ha- couldn't see straight and that like, I just think that Jordan thinks that if he had that happen to him, he would have played. Yeah, no, that's ab- really yeah, good. That's absolutely it. It's like, you know, maybe at this point, Jordan understands that Scotty wasn't like lying or anything, but right. he just doesn't understand how anything could stop you from yeah. being able to perform in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's that's right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I just I've enjoyed the hell out of the documentary. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I mean, I thought it would. I mean, it has to a certain extent been Michael Jordan is God, you know? And, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of a fluff piece, but yeah, at the same time, it's still um, there's still enough, you know depth to it that it's not just completely con- contrived and whatever it's still enjoyable because there's still i'm still yeah. i haven't learned anything completely new but i still get you're, you're seeing um more color i think than i was like, maybe expecting initially uh it's a good tv show yeah that's a good way yeah. of phrasing it. it's a great tv show it's not an investigative journalism documentary it's a no. good tv show yeah. yeah and that's um something we need yeah. I um a lot of the discussion sort of surrounding this has been the question of like are we ever going to get one of these for like the 2018 Warriors? Yeah. I mean, I don't I've I've I listened to a thing with um the guy who headed this whole project up um and he still works for the NBA in this same capacity and he said that yeah, the the Warriors never gave anything close from an access standpoint. So right. it would all and teams it would be a lot more don't. speculation. Right, and, and that also sort of like speaks to where the league. I think teams recognize now 
the importance of like like we said with LeBron of like controlling your image and like yeah. understanding like exactly what image you want to portray in media made now and at any point in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, everybody understands this except for Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> He's yeah. just tone deaf. Yeah. Did you? S- I, I know you saw this, Alex. Do you want to talk about the Matt Moore Kevin Durant beef? Yeah, we can. I it it's shocking to me. Like I, I mean, it's I guess it's not shocking, but it's it is wild that he can't figure out that he just needs to not respond on Twitter. You know, like it never right. goes well for him. Right. He always so Nathan, makes himself looks wor- look worse. For the record, let, let me. I'm gonna give the two minute to Nathan about this. So Giannis Adetokounmpo, you have an understanding of who that is. Yeah, yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so his free agency is coming up. It is theoretically possible that he could go join the Warriors, so that wouldn't mean what it meant when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he. but basically he is in a sort of similar situation as Kevin Durant was in 2016, where he's yep. on a really good team, um, but he could leave his small market really good team that is playing incredible basketball to go – join another superstar in California, presumably. Uh, And so uh, Nuggets journalist and basketball Twitter personality, Matt Moore um, tweeted something to the effect of if Giannis decides to leave in free agency, um, I won't think less of him. I won't be disappointed in him. It's a business move. It's only his to make, and we have to respect his decision. But I would be disappointed because mm-hmm. it would mean that like the bucks were over and like that team, like there wouldn't be this really good small market team in Milwaukee anymore. Uh, and Kevin Durant in a tweet that I think, I think he says, I think he mentions Kevin Durant by name. I think he says he like calls it pulling a Durant. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin Durant replies to this tweet sensitive ass yeah yeah I, I, so i saw this but I, I i didn't have the complete background but yeah i, I did see the tweet uh right i mean it, like i said earlier it's he's just tone deaf like because uh, there's nothing in that an original tweet that he's like taking a shot at no Durant. it is um, straightforwardly it is explicitly and straightforwardly stating that he is not like a condemnation of a person making this decision right like yeah, so it's like he just skimmed it and just assumed what uh, what he just assumed or something or i don't even know he just he can't handle the he can't handle the idea that he may that he upset people i think right yeah well the thing with durant to me is why not just fucking own that you made a mistake going out there like own the fact that you didn't get what you want when you went out to the warriors because it's very obvious to everyone because you left the Warriors that you didn't get what you wanted. Right. And, but then be like, I won two fucking championships though. So fuck you. Basically that's all he has to do. And he's immediately more likable. Yeah. You know, but, but now like, I mean the whole thing, the idea of like being pushed of, you know, I'm just a guy that left a job to go to a different job. And then I left that job again to go to a different job, work for a different company. Like, that's not 
a realistic way of looking at things. Like that's not how sports in America works. Right, and it's yeah. like it's not because it isn't. You get paid millions of dollars. Right. Like that's yeah. why what you do is worth millions of dollars. Me leaving a job and you leaving the Thunder are not remotely the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um. It, the additional well, con. I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, um, you know, kind of talking about. You know, bringing Jordan back into this, like we're talking about the mentality and all of that. And I kind of fall on the line of I think that the way Michael Jordan acted is completely fine because that's the way he knew how to act. But I think the glorification of that mindset and mentality is counterproductive. And I think that's I mean, that's one of the reasons why Kevin Durant left. Yeah. You know, I also got like I think it makes the NBA significantly more boring right um because everybody well and it ends up with a funny thing where everybody tries to pretend to be jordan but none of them are actually assholes except for jimmy butler i want to give jimmy butler (laughs) a shout out for being the most jordan-esque player currently in the nba (laughs) oh gosh fair enough fair enough he is actually a dick yes and he knows it like he owns that fact he is perfectly fine with that yeah, um, that that Timberwolves practice is absolutely a thing Jordan would have done. Yeah, oh for sure, for sure. That there needs to be a documentary about that. Yeah, like they need to do a documentary about that entire day because right. that's one of the better things that has happened in the NBA in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I think the the Durant situation, like it, it's so obvious that he got in his mind that I have to win championships because that's the only way I'll ever be taken seriously. And that's a Jordan thing. I mean, that is that Jordan mentality. Yeah. It's the thing that it's the thing that people have with Jordan that they hold up above LeBron, right? Six and oh in the finals. Yeah. Six rings back to back to back twice. Like these are the things that in the minds of Jordan stands elevates him above LeBron. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 talk about kind of comparing eras in Right, in right. Let, well, let's talk about goats. Um Yeah. Because that is by far the most annoying thing that's come from this Michael Jordan thing is you get, you know, every day on Sports Center, you get Mike Wilbon saying there's no player in the league that could dominate basketball in the 90s like Michael Jordan would average 50 a game in today's NBA because you can't grab him now and I it is the most annoying thing and it is it's one of those arguments that I can't just kind of brush off like it just makes me mad well here's the annoying thing is that I'm pretty sure Jordan has actually disputed this I'm pretty sure and not necessarily that he wouldn't dominate because he would never suggest that he was anything but the greatest but that specifically the new rules would make it easier Really? I think I, he is. I think he has correctly pointed out that zone being able to play zone would make it more difficult. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but it, it's completely true. Like it is 100% true. Um, and people are just lazy, and they don't they don't take that into consideration, and they just don't know. Like Mike Wilbon probably hasn't seriously watched basketball since Michael Jordan left the Bulls. You know, <laughs> that's probably the last time it's happened. So. I don't have much use for that, but it's, I mean, it's still, I wish, I wish it didn't bother me, but it does bother me more than it absolutely should. Um, 
but yeah, Nathan, I know has has I, we've been talking a little bit about um, comparing eras and sports, and I, I'm interested to hear what your thought process is. Well, okay, yeah. So I wouldn't pretend to know who the you know definitively have a hard opinion about who the greatest basketball player is of all time. Of course, my whole life. You know, I heard Jordan and now it's LeBron and you hear about the greats, you know, Larry and Bird and, you know, uh, Larry Bird and uh, Magic and you hear all these names. But I wouldn't know exactly who my pick would be because I haven't watched them. I haven't studied them. Um, I don't know enough about the game to have the, you know, a solid opinion on that. But I do have an opinion about just how you talk about greats in sport, because, well, frankly, I don't like the idea of being able of saying. It. I think it's very hard to be able to, to try and compare eras um, and just say. Say you're talking about LeBron, and say, well, if he went back into 1986, he would dominate. Well, obviously, because he's 2020 LeBron, and you're transporting him back in time. But you have in into a whole different sphere, and people just didn't look like that back then. So you then, of course, you would say LeBron's the greatest player ever. And I think if you're talking truly um, as far as skill and ability and physical maturation and all of that stuff, I think that's legitimate as far as best. But I don't think whenever people say the greatest player of all time about something, I, I, I can't I don't equate that with literal best because to me, a greatest is more about how they related to those, like how well they dominated to those they were playing against. Because I don't know any other way to actually translate it. Because you're, if, if you do it as literal best, it's almost always going to be whoever the best player is current day. Because that's just how things work. Things get better over time. People get better over time. If you took 2020 LeBron and transported him into 1986, he has so much more muscle, muscle mass he has so much more dexterity of being able to just control his body, the, the ball. Uh, his he's such a better shooter. Um, I mean, it's just not really it's just not apples to apples. It's complete. It's a different comparison. So I don't know how you can really do that. But if you're also translating him back or transporting him back to 1986, to me you have to almost think about okay, LeBron's playing in 1986. What would he have been? if he was born in 1965 or something, because then that's the only way you can really, to me, think about it is if he had, you know, the same nutrition, his whole life leading up the same weight uh, lifting regimen. I don't know how you can talk about present day in an old, uh, mm-hmm. in an old game without that. Or if you wanted to say, if you put Wilt into current day, Wilt would get destroyed. But what happens if Wilt was born in 1995? Right. You know, it, it's a, it's just different. Um, yeah. So to me, it's more about how do players compare directly to their peers? Because that's the only thing that you can have. And even that, it's different because games are played differently. If you if you talk about, say, I don't know, John Elway, um, whenever he was playing in the 90s with the Broncos, and then you compare it to what, I mean, just Pat Mahomes did last year or the last couple of years. If you look at purely statistics, it's not the same thing because the game was played a different way. But it has to be just kind of a relative comparison. So I, to me, cross-generation 
direct comparisons are just almost impossible because there's just so many factors. Um, and so, in my opinion, I mean, the way I try and think about, like, who's the greatest player of all time is just how much did they dominate their competition. Like, whenever I think about the greatest OU players of all time, usually what people say is Leroy Selman. Now, Leroy played in the 70s. Would he be the... If you plopped Leroy Selman from the 70s into current modern-age college football and you didn't account for any physical differences, he'd probably get his ass run over um, because he's going up instead of 260-pound offensive linemen, he's going up against 320-pound guys that can run. Um, He's going up against... You know, they're probably running backs that are, you know, only, you know, giving up 15 pounds or so to them. Um, it's just not the same. So there's just a variety of factors you have to, to me, you have to factor in. Um, I've been talking a long time. Does okay. do you all disagree with me? No, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of um, wisdom in all of that. Like you look back at things like, like, um, was it the AP who put together their list of like a like all time college football team? And yeah, there, there's been a lot of them, but I'm sure they, I'm sure the Associated Press put one together. Right, and it was um like they had Roger Staubach as the quarterback, and it's like yeah. he threw seven passes a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it's like if someone came up to you and said, well, this is probably not a good a good one, but if they said, well, the greatest. Uh, I mean, if they said Gale Sayers, the greatest running back of all time. Well, I mean, he, I think he had like 700 yards of rushing, you know, one of his seasons. I mean, it's – but if you put him right. into modern day and you say he's born in 1992, mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 he'd be kind of like, you know, Reggie Bush or something, uh, someone who was, you know, yeah. extremely ahead of his time as far as skill set. I mean, there's I – don't, I don't know how you can have the conversation without – thinking about all the extraneous factors that go into what makes a player a player. Because this, and even if you said, well, Jordan wasn't a good, I, I don't know, I, I, you could tell me, I don't even know if this is true. Say Jordan wasn't a good three-point shooter. I don't know if that's true or not. But let's say he that was... was the, he, I, people think he was better than his numbers show, which okay. is going to bear out what your next point is going to be. Well, I was just going to say, let's say he was not, or let's say you know, player X is not a good three-point shooter in 1992 or whatever year. But if he was born nowadays, there probably would have been a different approach in how he uh, trained his shooting. And so modern day, we don't know what sort of three point shooter he would have been today because his approach, his entire life preceding that would have been different. Um, So his game itself might've been different. We don't know. Jordan would have been a really good three point shooter. Like he was a good shooter from every shot that he took. And he would just take threes, and he would be good at them now. Like, it's mm-hmm. – I yeah. absolutely – I agree. Um, so I guess I have – and I, I don't disagree with anything you've said, but I guess adding to that, what frustrates me is that there is this glorification of the past. Um, yeah. And, and I, mean, and I oh, think it's yeah. – the idea – like, Spencer Dinwiddie made this point, like – Love Spencer Dinwiddie now, but like just the idea that basketball wouldn't be better and players wouldn't be better today doesn't make sense. That's not the case in any other aspect of life. Like things get better because you have the benefit of seeing what the previous generation did. You can Mm -hmm. take that and then you build on it. 
yeah, that's how it goes. Technology improves, nutrition improves, training yeah. imp- improves, um, preparation improves. Everything about the modern athlete has improved. So you can't, no one in their right mind would go back and say, well, back then it wasn't the same thing. That's why world records get broken continuously because people right. get better. Yeah. <laughs> it's people don't, you don't break a world record in track. And then didn't just well I actually don't know I'm probably talking out of my ass here there might be a world record that stands since 1962 but I would bet they're very rare um, mm-hmm. because they people just continue to push and push and push and get better at things yeah. so I think what you have to think about whenever people talk about the greatest of all time it just has to be completely relative to who they were complaining. Yeah. playing against and how well they dominated against their competition you could say well maybe that error was bad but that's not their fault. They dominated accordingly. So right. can I can I can I make a point kind of I guess counter to that? Yeah, absolutely. So I do think that it is a fair argument to say that if you look, I mean, through the years of basketball, I I think the overall the median talent in the NBA is so much higher now than it was mm-hmm. for like Michael Jordan, especially like in the eighties early 90s like the median talent in the league is better they're pulling from a greater like they're pulling players from all over there's a bigger talent pool there's players from all around the world and that wasn't the case really until the dream team yeah i'm glad you you brought that in because that's a direct tie back to that jordan doc they talk about how much of an impact the dream team had as an international kind of uh yeah um, just ticket to, for uh, the rest of the world to kind of see the oh, yeah. sport and to grow its popularity. I'm yeah. sure it, it had was, a, it was a huge correlation. So, yeah. And um, yeah, and I think that's completely fine. I, as a result, though, I think that it is fair to argue that it is not necessarily possible for someone to dominate their peers as much as it was able, as Jordan was able to dominate, particularly when he got in the league. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't think it's possible for LeBron to be as dominant relative to everyone else because there is just there are mm-hmm. ten guys in the league that are all time greats right now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like Russell Westbrook's not a top ten player in the NBA, and he averaged a triple double three years in a row. Did something that no one thought would ever happen again. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, and yeah. the other aspect when we talk about dominance and specifically in basketball, but in other, this is going to be broadly applicable. Um, especially <laughs> we had the, like, we had this conversation in a Twitter group chat and um, I brought up off, brought up offhandedly. Like, you know, if we just accept that current players are better than previous players, like who's mm-hmm. the best baseball player of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that the answer we landed on was Mike Trout. <laughs> well, yeah. And so that's the thing of, if you're talking about literal, like best from a skill standpoint, it's almost always going to, that's what I mentioned earlier. It's almost always going to be the best modern player. So I think the word best and the word greatest have two separate meanings. Yeah. Uh, right. But so when we, when we talk about individual dominance, like in basketball, like there is not a player who has had a more all encompassing individually dominant season than either Wilt's 40, 20 season or one of Russ's or like Russ's first triple double season. Yeah. There's but it, not really anything comparable to the, well, there are other, there are other incredible feats in the history of basketball, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. 
those are moments of individual dominance, but like neither of those are championship winning seasons. Like, well, right. And Batman, how much of like, that the, is stat driven? How much, like how much do stats factor into this? I think they play a part, but are they the greatest part is something just because someone said, like you said, averaged 40, 20, is that better than 35, 16, but they won a title. I mean, how do you quantify that? Um, right. If we're going totally, if we're going only by stats, Timmy Chang's one of the greatest college football quarterbacks of all time. So Landry Jones, baby. Yeah, Landry right. Jones. So yeah. greatest well, quarterback like, in OU history. <laughs> number one. God. Um, so <laughs> that's a whole pot in itself. Yeah. Landry Jones thoughts. <laughs> but you look at, you, you know, you talk about like, oh, no one would take over, no one would dominate the league, you know, Jordan would dominate the league in a way no one else could, or um, that, like this is the thing that Kobe stands set to put Kobe over LeBron is that Kobe could take over. Like LeBron has averaged twenty-seven, seven and seven for his entire career in the NBA, basically. And he's never are, had a game in which he has scored twenty-seven, got seven rebounds and seven assists. Just no, so that's, that's just, just like the crazy numerical fact. averages. That's awesome. Yeah, that's his <laughs> averages, but he's never had a game where he's gotten those exact numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, which is like a very good all-around stat line. It yeah. doesn't speak to it's not that's not a game taking over performance in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And yet we are having this conversation. Well, yeah, so I I so I, to kind of boil it or to bring it back, I I think you made a great point. I mean, but this is kind of it plays into my earlier point. It's almost impossible to compare eras because every era is different. So how do you um can you say that Michael Jordan wouldn't have dominated the same way nowadays? Probably true, but the fact is that he dominated his era, so how do you measure that? What is a, an acceptable, comparable level of domination now? Is it four yeah. titles? I don't know. Um, I And I do kind of want to touch on the way that the Dream Team broadened um, the global talent pool Um of basketball because I think we've seen something very similar in the last um, maybe decade, uh, even possibly five years in golf. I think the Tiger Woods effect absolutely brought in the global appeal of competitive golf and that yeah. you see on the top end, there are so many guys that are capable of winning tournaments and majors now um, yeah. that you see almost a different guy winning a major you know, quite often. It's not right. just the same solid group of guys anymore. Um, and so yeah, it's, I to don't the think point, you're ever going to see someone like Tiger just absolutely. completely take it over. Absolutely. And because, yeah, because they were able to watch Tiger. Tiger approached golf in a way that very few ever had before mm-hmm. as kind of an athletic sport. Uh, because before Tiger, it was just a bunch of fat dudes that smoked on the course, <laughs> you know. And, I will not stand for this John Daly hate. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not even John. Like Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, like those. They. Jack Nicholas got made fun of for being fat when he played. Yeah, Gary Player just were all black. He was cool. So. Yeah. I'm with you. But like that, that is absolutely a perfect point. And I remember hearing arguments about how the level of play in golf was so much higher when Jack. Like, look at all these legends that he beat. You know, to win his majors and like. Basically, all Tiger has is Phil Mickelson, and I just remember thinking it's utterly ridiculous because the reason why there's not one, like, four or five guys racking up all these wins in golf is because there's 
a hundred guys that can win tournaments now. Like, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like it makes so much sense. Like Brooks Kepka is a freaking monster golf golfer. Yeah. And you know, he's won three majors. Like I think there's never going to be, there's probably never going to be a guy get into double digits again, or it's going to be a long time, you know? And yeah, you'll see like, like guys like, like Patty Harrington and they'll go on like a four major. Tour, yeah. And then they'll just disappear. Right. Um, Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth. Yeah. People for a while were thinking, oh, Jordan Spieth, he might be able to break records. Yeah, that dude doesn't like, want a major in like three or four years. Yeah, like Rory. Or I mean, you'll yeah. see guys that'll have you know this really great three year stretch, and then they'll just kind of fade away because because to be on that, you know, to, to keep to keep your balance on that competitive, you know, edge to be the leading guy, it's really really hard. You saw like Jason Day, he got his back hurt, he immediately fell off. You know, yeah. this guy's like. It's really, really hard to stay in that at the front of the pack, and that just kind of shows you how amazing. Not this isn't. I don't want to turn this completely into a you know a Tiger love fest, but to see what Tiger did um, in his mid 40s and winning another major after so long is just like you know that makes it even more incredible because of the yeah. field that he was going against. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's yeah for sure. Like I there's there's no good argument of him not being the best golfer ever. Like there's and, not yeah. one, you know, you've mm-hmm. got the majors, but like Tiger Woods evolutionized the game of golf in a way that no one ever has, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, yeah, he made it a global, he made it a global, a global thing, um, yeah. truly global, which I guess you could make that same argument with Michael Jordan too, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause Jordan was that guy. And so like, I have, I have no problem calling Michael Jordan the greatest player of all time. If that's the way you feel, I think I would favor LeBron, but I like, I don't have like this foolproof, you know, argument to, to make yeah. against Jordan being the greatest. Like it makes sense. All that stuff you said for Tiger, you can say for Jordan and that contributes to greatness. Like just the cultural impact he had on the yeah. sport, on the world that <laughs> contributes. And, you know, I think impact is something I, so I, I battle with this because like, to me, like I think about, like I, I had this discussion with another friend, you know, recently, and I think it actually got kind of dragged into our group chat where I was talking about Jerry Rice is considered the greatest wide receiver of all time, but if you took like present day, I don't know Julio Jones and like stacked them next to each other, you would take Julio Jones if it's like the same, you know, if I flopped Jerry Jerry Rice out of 1993 and just put them next to each other. But that's not yeah. I can't you can't think about it that way. Now Julio well, Jones is a Hall of Famer, but <laughs> so right. so, maybe it's not the best comparison, but um anyway, yeah, go ahead, you, Ryan. Okay. I will say one thing about this that I feel like when we look at comparing across eras, I th- I think it's important to remember how arbitrary the idea of an era can be. Um yeah. like Jordan's last se- Jordan's last title, Jordan's last Bulls season. Uh, was like five years before LeBron got drafted and like the NBA is a young sport so that's a long time but you know it's not there's no yeah there's no hard cut you know so like 1996 kind of yeah I would be careful when we talk when we talk about eras and how you can't compare across eras like I think there's a bit like a big part of that is um like that's a shield people use to avoid having to like you know, defend their arguments. Well, okay. Yeah, because you can I, put, you, because I mean, there are obviously clear differences between like, like the, the NFL Jerry Rice played in, in the NFL, 
that Julio Jones plays in are very different sports. Uh, we learned how to lift weights between those two. So yeah, guys actually worked out in the off season. Right. Um, and so like, that's a, that, that's a huge deal. So like they're like, the points about like yeah. differences in eras is valid, but it's important to recognize that where we choose to say this is this era and this is that era is largely yeah. arbitrary. Yeah, that's and that's a really good point actually. So I think I my usual caution when it comes to that, I think I think of like you know, if I see two players that play 20 years apart, I kind of hesitate to make that comparison. But with their if like you said, if they're within a you know a marginal number of year window, I think it's more apt. But I mean, one of the things you mentioned the workout thing. One of the things Jerry Rice was known for was his off-season workouts, um, which is probably a, something that, you know, the level of ten, of intensity is probably pretty common nowadays. Uh, but mm-hmm. he kind of revel. He, was, he had a whole hill thing that he ran on, and he's like he, this whole run the hill workout. Um, so, right. I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's impossible because i think they're fun arguments but to for anyone to you know clearly say x or y um without you know whenever it's not overwhelming i i think it gets really murky i think it's because it's so often people just immediately say like lebron would not cut it the physicality in the 90s or michael couldn't hang with the athleticism of the 2010s you know I don't think either of those are true um, because there's so many more factors than that. Right. And like, this is another thing you had previously brought, like the idea of like where Jordan would be if he had grown up in the modern era. Like it's important to remember that like LeBron also grew up poor and at times homeless in the streets of Akron. Like, Mm -hmm. so, so what would he look like? Yeah. What does LeBron look like in 2030? Like, Mm -hmm. what does LeBron look like in 1980 whenever, you know, things might have been even tougher. Um, right. Who knows? So, like, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's, these guys don't have a level playing field. Um, no. And, and we'll, there will be some superstar in, like you said, 2030, 2035, that will look like a complete alien. And so like, having this same Zion, like, Zion is here now. Like, <laughs> yeah, so. Giannis, too, shit. Yeah, Giannis. And <laughs> so, Giannis yeah. grew up, in, like, a Nigerian immigrant in Greece. Like, yeah. Yeah, I've seen a uh, yeah, E60 thing on him. He's a really interesting background. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a constantly evolving argument. And I think with the game like basketball, where um, the factors are maybe a little bit more confined, um, because the NFL has had just massive changes in the way the game's played. And I, I know NBA has, too. I don't want – don't get me wrong. But yeah. – um, just, the NBA de- NBA decided that it was smart to take threes within the <laughs> last like five years. Like that's yeah, that's like there were still yeah, so maybe, like, yeah, the yeah, dominant right. voices in NBA media were still poo pooing well, threes shit, when guys, the Warriors won seventy three games. We're just see- we're just now seeing the NFL say, oh, maybe the spread offense is a good idea. So right, <laughs> like, right, it's yeah, not right. that different. So. Yeah, right, but pretty yeah, much the uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> And, and by the way, just to ring true, um, like the whole Jerry Rice uh, hill climb thing, you know, shout out um, friend of the pod, uh, Reed Lindsay, who was running hills next to I-40. Oh, yeah. I think this I week, saw I think. that actually so there you on go. Twitter. Like, it's pretty sweet. A thing, that, a thing that Jerry Rice was famous for doing is now a thing that walk-on defensive linemen do. So, yeah, so there you go. 
But I mean, we're talking about revolutionizing things. I feel like I mean, Ryan. I feel like you really emphasize walk on a little too much there. That's look, a little sorry. Preferred walk on. You know, I believe recruited. I I was very impressed with the, his size, and yes. I heard the anecdotes. Got great hair. Camp. We all did. He's a hard worker. <laughs> I I bet he you know he'll see playing time. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course. That's uh. <laughs> yeah. Have you got? This is completely tangential. But it made me the the hair comment made me think of have you guys seen the like the E60 thing where they show the Minnesota state championship hair uh, compilation that gets done every year for hockey? No. Okay, there's like this video where this guy every year he goes to the Minnesota State High School state championships and he like gets all the like best hockey haircuts and makes a like a video out of it. It's pretty funny because <laughs> um, they're just horrendously awesome. So yeah. Gotta gotta check that out. Gotta check. Yeah, I'm that sure. Out. I'm sure it's yeah. on YouTube somewhere. Haircuts, man. Need one of those. Yeah, my. I yeah, it's getting bad. <laughs> Just gonna. <laughs> Are you willing to out, protest though, for I'm not one? An idiot. Okay. <laughs> um. All right. Let's uh. Let's go ahead and and end this with any OU football talk that we can even make up at this point. <laughs> um. Because um, there's not a lot happening. Uh. It does. I guess the biggest difference I think between now and the last time we potted is that it everything I've seen seems to point towards college football being played in the fall, um, yep. which obviously not great for Jaden Hazelwood. But no. um, in terms of like I I because at one point I would have I wouldn't have bet money, but I would have predicted that college football would have been played in the spring. Just yeah. It yeah. made the most sense to me, but I it that just doesn't seem like something people are willing to do. I th- yeah, um, I think we were underestimating even us. I think we were underestimating the, uh, the sheer power of college right. of college football. Oh man, um, and, do I have reservations about that? So here's here's the thing, and this should demonstrate. This should be this is revealing. Is um, Anthony Fauci. Um, <laughs> America's doctor um, gave an interview where he was talking about football and essentially what he said was foot like a football game is like it's not impossible to organize a football game and be safe about it but that it is the perfect breeding ground for the virus Mm. Um, and so what you would need is an extraordinary number of tests. Yeah. And so when that article was shared to the NFL subreddit, the headline was a football game is an almost perfect greeting ground for the virus. And the, the headline on the college football subreddit was football possible with enough tests. <laughs> well, that's a very NFL mindset. <laughs> the NFL basically, um, I've, re- I've listened to multiple podcasts where they kind of talk about the, how, the, how the average NFL staffer kind of acts like he's never even, they've never even heard of the coronavirus. Right, um, right. <laughs> like they really, yeah. The NFL released schedules earlier this week, and it's like, what are you doing? Like every single one of those is going to be wrong. But, um, yeah. So it's like essentially what essentially what Fauci said is like, yeah, it's possible, but to do it safely, you would need yeah. 
an extraordinary number of tests, like more than is probably feasible, but not like so many and, that it would be impossible. And frankly, more than what's going to happen. If right. That happens. Uh, they're not going to do that um, because this um, is America, and we're right. Stupid, and so. <laughs> it's not like the NCAA is going to take a stand for player safety. So right. Um, I do. So it does seem quite likely that there's going to be football. Um, but I think the biggest question is what level of fan involvement will there be? And, you know, it will there just be a, you know, partial capacity. Will there be fans at all? And they just pipe in noise, you know, what, what does that look like? And I don't know about you guys, but one of the main reasons I like college football is the atmosphere. Um, mm -hmm. because it's so starkly different than the NFL. Um, and so the pat, I mean, gosh, it sounds corny, but like the word pageantry comes to mind, the, the fan involvement, the investment, the, you know, hundred thousand people screaming, you know, right. whenever there's a well, touchdown. Like, yeah. Part of the fun of OU Texas is watching either like one side of the stadium be horrified or thrilled mm -hmm. every single play. I like yeah. listening to Texas, you know, scream, oh, you sucks and right. all that. Kind. Well, I think that's Yeah, fun. and I also like watching the stadium, that that half of the stadium clear out. Even though yeah, at halftime. It's been a while since you put a big enough beat down on them for it to happen. Yeah, I got, I, luckily we got to I remember two of those. 2012, though. That was fun. Yeah. But, you know, so, but kind of going back to the point that the idea of college football with no fans is like kind of like a soulless thing to me. I, I have kind of trouble picturing it. Um, I mean, I would still watch it, obviously, but I think yeah. it would just be this like denuded, you know, kind of I mean, husk, husk right. of what it usually it is. would be. It would be an asterisk season. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it. And I think just the fact that it would only be this is a temporary thing, you know, like it would probably be ironed out by the next football season. It's just mm -hmm. the reality that we would have to live with oh, for, for sure. one year, you know, yeah, like. It, and I can I can totally deal with that. Like now, if this were I would have a hard time, obviously, if it was like, well, this for the next five years, there's not gonna be fans at college football games. Yeah. Like that would suck. I would hate it. But like now I'm just like, I just want to watch it. sports. Yeah. Well, you know? isn't this the perfect breeding ground for like OU's next title because it's an Astros season? Like, <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah, this would be the yeah. year that it actually happens. Like, you're like yeah. oh, that doesn't count. Yeah, screw you Who guys. Still want it. <laughs> no, Dude, yeah. Alabama like, will take, I, and I, I will makes up a championship every ass. year. Like, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. You're absolutely but, right that without fans, it would be an asterisk season. Without fans, it would be a less enjoyable experience. There is not a way to do this responsibly with fans in the stadium at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so well, yeah. So I mean, I will still watch it. I will still enjoy it. It's just you know. Yeah. Now the, here's the, the thing. idea of it is sad to me, but I did not say it won't happen. I said it would be irresponsible. Oh, shit. There's going to be fans in the stands. Just how many are there going to be? Right. Yeah. They're not. That's yeah. A, that's a potential revenue source, man. That's <laughs> They're going to do and everything they can to keep up it's some of that money. It's especially going to happen in in places like OU and Alabama. Texas, yeah. Alabama. Like the SEC, there's going to be fans at SEC games. Like yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. Um. You know, we have yet to do anything smart in this situation. I find it hard to believe that smart decisions would be made by college football people, you know. Right. So, yeah, the pressure yeah. on like the new president um, on Castiglione will be immense. Right. Yeah. Um, now, 
this is what here's the one thing and i swear to god i cannot believe the frequency with which i have to rely on this sentence in hopes that positive social change will come to the state of oklahoma but would it affect affect recruiting to demonstrate uh, an irresponsible response to the coronavirus I mean, it, okay. I don't know. Okay. I be, I, have, go I ahead, think Alex. because the reality of the situation is that most of the teams OU recruits against are going to be doing the same shit. That's true. You know, so, but yeah. like I look back, I think back to like, did we ever talk about Gundy's comments on this program? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, I think we did. Uh, so what I will say to that is, it, it depends on if you lose mom or not. Does mom think that her baby will be safe at your school? Right. Um, that is a major factor. And that's actually something I, – I mean, I said this whenever Gundy made his comments. Like, if I was a parent, that would be something that would scare – like, but yeah, I would no, and that's why And that's why I bring that. it up is that, like, so, what Gundy said to me, like, that is – that's a lose mom quote. Yeah, and, and I it would be a lose dad quote for me. I would not like that. So if I saw something – if I was a parent and I saw a school being reckless or what I perceived as reckless, then yeah, I think it could affect recruiting. Now, I don't think it'd be widespread unless it was just amazingly reckless. But I think on a one-off situation or even something where, uh, uh, like, say, let's talk about Caleb Williams. He's from the BMB area. Maybe mom mm-hmm. doesn't want him going that far away to what she perceives as an unstable situation. Maybe she'd right. rather him stay close to home. And at least if at least at that school's not handling it as well as it maybe could have, he's at least, you know, an hour's drive or less and she can be there to keep tabs on him kind of thing. So I think on a one off situation, it could absolutely affect recruiting. But I don't think unless it was just uh, someone, you know, or a school or an administration that is just going AWOL, I don't think it would be something that would be widespread. Right. Um, so my response to all of this, by the way, is that if OU's response to the coronavirus costs Caleb Williams, causes Caleb Williams to go to fucking Maryland, I'm quitting football. <laughs> <My gosh. laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I mentioned this to Alex, you know, if Caleb Williams picks Maryland over OU, I'm just done. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's like, well, actually, something that I do think helped us. Did you guys see the Saban article that came out recently that was talking about him advising Hertz? Yeah, I, I saw that. I got the gist of it. Right. I, I I don't think I don't think it helps because I don't think it's actually an issue. I'm pretty like he's coming here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if there was ever a question, you know, like the best coach in college football talking <laughs> about his advice to the most recent player to go to OU and play quarterback um, yeah. would be something I would take in mind. Yeah, we're getting him. We're getting him, and we're getting all the five stars. Yeah, we just have to wait. Yeah, just gotta wait till July. Are we getting? I really, I really, really, really want um, Bryce Foster. Oh, it's happening. It's happening for sure. I I need him to. I need him to be a two sport athlete here too. I need him to. I need him to win. Some shot put championships. I was gonna say, you kind of shot that put. I don't even like. I don't know a damn thing about our track and field team. Like, I don't either. I have no I idea <laughs> if they're good or not. 
Yeah. Um, I know they're not Arkansas, but you know, I, hmm. they might be decent. I don't know. So. I didn't know Arkansas was good. They're like, yeah, they're they're like a OSU wrestling situation. Oh, okay. Hmm. Good for them. Yeah, they win all their got titles. They win all their titles in like sports no one cares about. And, yeah, and they still got something. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. But, uh. Sweet. Are we ready to, to wrap this up, Ryan? I feel like, I feel like we've come I to the so. end of this one. Um, guys, thanks so much for joining us here in <sighs> these uncertain times as. Um, this era will almost certainly become to known the, the most uncertain of times. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on uh, the Apple podcast app or the Google play store. I'm going to look into getting this thing on Spotify. It feels like it probably isn't that hard. Um, and other stuff. Um, God, it's, this is what happens when I take a week off. Um, follow us on Twitter at Perd underscore Happily at RW Maxi. Follow our friend Sam at Not That Sam Davis. He couldn't make it this day. And um, follow Nathan in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. And keep on. <laughs> and on the sixth day, look to the east. Yep. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Um, and yeah. <laughs> If you, yeah, Nathan, if, Nathan riding riding into yeah, I will scream for their lingus as I yeah yeah that's, that will happen. If you make, I'll say this: if you have good like Lord of the Rings content, I will allow you to follow me. <laughs> All right, um, that's gonna do it. We'll be back next week, um, or maybe later this week. Alex, I, this is the whole thing. Everyone, congratulate Alex for graduating again. Oh, yes. Yes, congratulations. Uh, Degree number two. For being a filthy longhorn now. Ugh, yeah. Um, And we'll see you guys later. Sweet.